It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tennessee football picked up another commit over the weekend. We'll tell you all about 2024 cornerback Marcus Gorey. Uh, Tennessee basketball, interesting cue of the day, and we'll get to that here in a moment. Plus your mailbag questions, all that and more right here on a Tuesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to it. This is Locked on Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. So glad to be back with you guys here today. Sorry for the inconvenience of a no-show on Monday. I was out in the desert coming back over in Tennessee baseball, so traveling, I didn't get a chance to uh, record. The Wi-Fi was not the best in the airport where I spent uh, the majority of my overnights. <laughs> and so, uh, nonetheless, glad to be back here on a Tuesday. Thank you guys for tuning in, making this your first listen, and of course, subscribing and watching on the YouTube channel. Locked On Balls is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That is your team every single day. And for the Tennessee Volunteers, got a loads to, loads to get into here today. As I kind of mentioned, the cold open uh, commits. Uh, we'll break down Marcus Gorey. Uh, Tennessee basketball later in the show, a loss to Kentucky, big game coming up tonight against Texas A&M, and then your mailback questions, all that and more. But starting out here with the cue of the day, and this is an interesting one, and I don't want this to come across as I'm having an agenda or anything, but I'm genuinely wanting to check the pulse of the Locked On Vols audience, um, the viewership. Um, Are you still in on this Tennessee basketball team? You may hear that and say, well, of course I am. I'm a Tennessee Vol fan. I'm going to support the team no matter what. And that's the right mindset, in my opinion. Um, There are some of you guys that are so frustrated with Rick Barnes and so frustrated with the Tennessee basketball team that you might turn it off at halftime, you know, the last couple of games. I don't know. I'm just wanting to check the pulse here. Are you still in on the Tennessee basketball team? I think Tennessee can beat anybody in the country. I also think Tennessee can uh, lose. What was it here? Yeah, I think Tennessee can lose four quad two games, which is what it's done already this year. So I want to hear from you. Fill those comment sections on the YouTube channel. Uh, tweet me, DM me, whatever. Are you still in on this Tennessee basketball team? It's got a monster showdown coming up later tonight at Texas A&M. So we'll get into that here in a moment. Marcus Gorey. All right, three-star. Consensus per on three and on three rankings. Cornerback from Bradley Central High School in state. For the class of 2024, he committed to the University of Tennessee on Saturday night. He chose Tennessee over Colorado, Michigan, Michigan State, and Nebraska. Uh, Marcus Gorey's been a guy that's long been linked to the University of Tennessee. When you talk about this this in-state class of 2024, which is which is really good, Marcus Gorey was always one of those guys that we could see popping early on, and, and essentially that's what he decided to do here midway through February. He becomes Tennessee's fourth commit for the class of 2024, joining Caleb Beasley, a cornerback from Lipsum Academy, joining Carson Gentle, defensive lineman from Macaulay School. That's the second player from the Chattanooga area. Uh, Gorey's now joining Gentle from that 4-2-3 zip code. And then you still have Jonathan Eccles, and Jonathan Eccles will be tough to hold on to. Obviously, uh, he's trying to build a, a relationship, a rapport with Tennessee's new tight end coach, Alec Ablin. Um, but Alabama's coming after him hard. Georgia's coming after him hard. There's going to be teams trying to sway Jonathan Eccles, the IMG product, away from Tennessee. He was such an early commit to this class last summer. Um, so we'll have to see exactly how Tennessee does over the course of the next couple of months and holding on to Jonathan Eccles. But Tennessee now has its fourth commit for the class of 2024. Uh, it is ranked 16th nationally per the on three consensus rankings. 
Um, and it's eighth in the SEC. But again, Tennessee only has four commits. It's still very, very early on uh, in this class. And uh, Marcus Gorey now joins this class. He's considered, uh, in, in terms of the on-three consensus rankings, uh, a top 500 overall prospect in the country. Uh, he's considered an athlete. He's going to play cornerback here at Tennessee. Um, he's considered the 40th athlete in the class and the 11th best prospect from uh, the state of Tennessee. Again, uh, Tennessee's got a really nice in-state haul that they're hoping to generate here in this class. Um, I'm going to forget some, but of course, you've got Carson Gentle, you've got Caleb Beasley, and you've got uh, Marcus Gorey, who are commits. You've got Boo Carter that's out there. Uh, you've got Edwin Spillman, whose brother Nate Spillman is on the football team right now, and, and Tennessee would love to obviously get him. So there's a, there's a couple other you know top priority targets out there, especially in-state for uh, Tennessee. But what I found interesting is this. So Gorey's a cornerback. You have Caleb Beasley of, of Lipson Academy, who's a cornerback. All right, you have um, you brought in three cornerbacks last year in the class of 2023, and Boo Carter, a guy that you're still trying to get, is is a cornerback from you know the, the in state of of Tennessee. So there's a lot of cornerbacks uh, in this class, and potentially you could close this class down with in state cornerbacks if you bring in three because uh, you've already got two right now. So I found that kind of interesting in, in terms of the positional layout. Tennessee already has two cornerbacks for this class of 2024. Uh, more on Marcus Gorey. He had a six foot one, about 170 pounds, again, from Bradley Central High School, Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, he came up and he, he got an offer from the University of Tennessee. I think it was like last spring. And uh, in a chat with VolQuest.com, Austin Price earlier um, after his commitment, he said, you know, when he got the when he got the offer, he was thinking, "Hey, it's close to home, uh, and my parents like Tennessee, and the coaching staff loves me. Uh, I know some of the players up there, and, and some of the people uh, going there, so it already felt like home." And in terms of Willie Martinez, who would be his primary position coach, I like Coach Martinez from what he sees in me. He loves the in-state prospects and wants me to go. Uh, you know, help in that regard. I can tell by the way he talks to me. The coaching staff, they all know me and follow me, and they treat me like I'm a player already on the team. Uh, on Heupel, he said, I love Coach Heupel. He has been showing love since he offered me. Every time I see him, it's easy to start a conversation with him. He and I are going to play one-on-one -on -one in basketball one day. I'm sure that would be advantage, uh, you know, 17-year-old. I heard he's pretty good. He talks like he can beat me. It would involve bonding and building uh, a relationship. So uh, some good stuff there. Uh, Gory was asked again in this interview with Austin Prize over at VolQuest.com, you know, kind of what are you bringing to the table? What's in your arsenal as a as a cornerback? He said, I love to tackle in space. I cover pretty well too. I blitz pretty well. I'd like to play nickel so I can blitz sometimes. Study Jamal Adams because uh, my coach told me I was filling gaps too slow. So I went home, watched Jamal Adams to be able to tell runner pass and put that into my game. Uh, that right there, going to the tape, um, you know, trying to pick apart uh, stuff, a, a part of other people's games. Hey, as a, as a personality, as a content creator, as a podcaster, a broadcaster, I do the same thing, right? I mean, I, I take bits and pieces about what I like about other radio hosts, and I try to try to influx that into, into what I'm doing and then just try to make my own brand. And so I, I completely get that, and I feel like that's a – a great way to go about it. Uh, Matt Ray over at VolQuest.com, another one of my cohorts, caught up with Bradley Central High School head coach um, Damon Floyd prior to the commitment and said uh, on on Marcus Gorey, quote, he has always been talented, obviously, but the biggest thing is his body maturing. Uh, you look at him now, he looks like a football player. He spent a lot of time in the weight room. He's a student of the game. He loves football. When he came here as a freshman, and nobody does, but he really didn't know what to do but seeing him out there on the field seeing him lead us 
making checks, just his football knowledge and maturity of his body, uh, it's next level. So his teammates definitely love him and respect him because he leads by example. He shows up every single day, works hard. He's a good teammate. He doesn't have a big head. I don't know if he understands that this that, that is not normal, um, but the kind of recognition that he is getting and the kind of offers he's getting, he's a leader, but he leads by examples. And then finally, what sticks out about Marcus Gorey, according to his head football coach, his instincts. He just understands what is happening on the field. Obviously, you can't coach some of that stuff that he has. We try to put him in the right position depending on what we have game plan wise. He has great instincts. Uh, he can see things happening before a normal player, and um, he can get to the ball a little bit quicker. That is the thing. He enjoys contact. He can cover. But we put him in a lot of situations. He had, I think, around 12 tackles for loss this year. We'll send him on blitzes because he does have the ability to go in there and make some plays, and that is Bradley Central head coach Damon Floyd on his cornerback, Marcus Gorey, who was the fourth commit for the class of 2024 for Tennessee. All right, so Tennessee – Recruiting never stops, right? It's a recruiting dead period in terms of if you can't go and see uh, prospects in person, can't have them on campus, but that'll end at the end of February. There'll be a junior day at the beginning of March, and Marcus Gorey is now going to be helping Josh Heupel uh, and uh, the coaching staff in trying to recruit for the class of 2024. All right, when we come back, we'll hit up your mailbag questions. That is coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. But first, uh, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all that fat and calories, then you've got to try Bill Bar. Uh, we just went through the holidays. I know that some of your guys' goals may be to eat healthier. And if you're like me, you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise any of the taste, man, I've got something for you. You've got to try Bill Bar. With Bill, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. Uh, they're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you. Perfect for that New Year's resolution as we move on throughout February. What makes Bill Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% Real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, coconut almond. I'm not sure how they do it, but they do it. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around for the box, right? We've been telling you for years, Built.com. But now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick out the box for you. Go to your Walmart, head to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Bill Bars. You can grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. How about Sam's Club? Well, you can grab a 13-bar box of hit flavors like brownie, churro, brownie batter or churro. Walmart, Sam's Club, and as always, buy your Built at Built.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, welcome back into it. Tuesday Locked on Vols. I am your host, Eric Kane. So glad that you're with me here today and making this your first listen, watching and subscribing on the YouTube channel. Uh, let's get into it. Mailbag edition of the show. Every Tuesday, it's whenever you guys take over the show. Uh, we'll start with Tim. Tim says, what up, Eric? Go Vols first off. I like it. My question for the show, why is our basketball team so up and down? It seems like when they go cold, it's colder than my DMs. God, I can't tell you how much I love that you wrote that. 
That is so freaking funny. Love it. Um, I watched Providence play, and they seem to have some guys who can go and get to the rim and finish along with the outside shooting. Wish our Vols had some of the guys who can attack the rim and finish. God bless. Keep up the good work. Tim, I appreciate it, man. Uh, Tennessee's team winds us so up and down. I just don't think it has an offensive identity whatsoever. Um, defense, it's the 13th week in a row. It's been the number one defense in the country. We know, even though, in my opinion, there's been some cracks in the armor the last two weeks, you know the defense is going to give you a pretty good effort, right? Um, it's just there's there's not a go-getter. There's not a consistent score on offense. Tennessee looks disoriented, in my, in my opinion, offensively. Um, you know, Vescovy is a guy that's that's usually kind of leading the pack, but if he's off, I mean, he, he's got nothing, to be completely honest with you. Ziegler, I think, can penetrate the rim a little bit and do some things offensively, but he's been getting into so much foul trouble. And more importantly, there's no consistency whatsoever in front court scoring. I mean, one day it'll be, you know, Plavsich a couple weeks ago against Kentucky, right? And then Adu had a couple of games. Jemiah Meshack, by the way, shout out Jemiah Meshack. We'll talk about that here in a moment uh, for what he did against, uh, did against Kentucky. But he is not an offensive threat, right? Um, maybe arguably the most talented player on the court, Olivier Kumwa. I mean, he is he's a no-show so many different times. There's no consistent front court scoring to take the pressure off the guards. And when Vescovy's off... When Tyreek Key is going back in, in, into his normal groove of just being a non-factor, he was 0 for 5 from the field against Kentucky, um, you're just not getting a whole lot. And so I, I think it's just a number of different things. But offensively, obviously, I'm not breaking any news here. There's just no rhythm. There's no identity. There's no consistency in the front court scoring to take pressure off those guards. And, you know, it's frustrating. Again, question of the day here. And, uh, you know, uh, hashtag not trying to start a narrative here because I'm – I'm not out on the Tennessee basketball team, but I want to know about you. Are you still in on this Tennessee basketball team? I know the frustration. Uh, it's not an all-time high, but it's it's probably up there. Let's go to James. James says, Twitter Tuesday, what are your thoughts on Ross Dellinger's reporting about changes to the college football uh, game to reduce game time? Uh, personally, I'm fine with eliminating back-to-back -back timeouts, eliminating untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter. I like the clock uh, stopping... I like the clock stopping after every first down and really, really, really hate the idea of clock uh, running after incompletions. If they want the college game to time closer to an NFL, then shorten halftime to NFL link. Link, that's obviously the answer, and I 100% support it. All right. Um, yeah, this is a good subject. I, I thought about doing you know part of this uh, in terms of segment one today, but maybe we'll do it tomorrow or, or another day. But we'll, we'll talk about this this week in terms of uh, the potential proposals in terms of trying to reduce the game time. Uh, first and foremost, and this can be said for college football, this can be said for Major League Baseball, um, this can be said for a lot of things. I mean, Major League Baseball, they've tried for years to shrink the game. They've tried for years to 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 hurry up the game, and, and now they're changing the game. I mean, they're putting a runner at second base to start extra innings. I mean, I didn't know this was softball, and that's I mean, softball's fine, but softball's not baseball. So stop trying to inflict softball into my game of baseball. It pisses me off. Oh, just that with the stupid, stupid ass pitch clock. All right, if you have kids in the car, I'm sorry. Um, obviously, you guys know my thoughts on Rob Manfred and how he's changing the the sport of baseball. But nonetheless, um, if you want to shrink the game of baseball, if you want to limit the times and, and try to reduce game times of college football. You've got to take the inventory out of TV spots. You have to. I mean, in, in baseball, in postseason baseball, those spots in between innings are two minutes and 20 seconds. It's ridiculous. And I understand that's where the money is, and so that will never, ever happen. But that's the issue. It's the TV spots in college football. It's the TV spots in Major League Baseball, especially in Major League Baseball postseason action when they're nationally televised on TBS or whatever. It's just it's ridiculous, man, or Fox, you know, whatever it is. So... 
that's where you start. But since that will never happen, um, you know, and, and I cover football games. You guys watch football games. You guys go to football games, college football games. You see the guy with the red hat go out there, and he has that clock, and he sits there. I mean, there's so much stoppage in terms of TV timeouts. It's so annoying. Uh, I, I won't go over the entire report here, but the ones that you mentioned here, James, let's see here. Uh, personally, I am fine with eliminating back-to-back timeouts and eliminating untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter. Um, back-to-back timeouts, I'm okay with. Eliminating untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarters, I want to keep that because I think that's, again, if there's if there's a penalty there, I think the team deserves one more play. Um, I like the I like the clock stopping after every first down 100%. That's the sport of football. That's how it's always been. You get a first down, you stop the clock so the chains can move. Okay, that's football. Don't change that. Like, good God. See, I would agree with that. Um, Let's see here. I like the clock stopping out there. And I really, really hate the idea of the clock running after incompletion. Yeah, me too. Me too. Again, I know I'm boomer right now. I know I'm get off my lawn. I know you're shaking fists at the clouds. Stop changing the sport. I mean, there's other ways. I mean, sure, like the... The back-to-back timeouts, okay, whatever. But, like, football, like, the clock stops after incomplete pass. The clock stops when you get a first down. So I'm trying to propose changes in that regard to, you know, try to let it fit your television schedule. It just pisses me off. All right, sorry, guys. Didn't mean to get worked up there, James. I appreciate it. We'll go into that in a little bit more detail, maybe, if I can keep my cool <laughs> uh, later in the week. All right, let's go now to the bookmarks. We will win one day. I need to know why Maui Ahuna wasn't playing. Why was he ineligible? All right. Well, I mean, right now, I mean, on the record, I I, I can't answer that. Um, I, I'm just going off of what I've been told, uh, people I've been speaking to, uh, the, the statement that Tennessee baseball put out Friday afternoon or Friday evening. It's awaiting his eligibility clearance. Okay. And that's all we have right now. What I can say, it's nothing name, image, likeness um, regards. It's nothing grade wise. Okay. It's, as simple as waiting on his eligibility status uh, clearance. Um, it, it's kind of annoying because uh, he's he transferred here in June. He was here for a semester in the fall. He was here in the spring. He was here in preseason. He didn't miss anything. And then two hours before first pitch with his family who traveled from Hawaii to the desert uh, to watch him play, he was told he's not going to play. And so, you know, again, I've been consistent all weekend long in saying that this was a shock to Maui. This was a shock to Tennessee, even if they might have, even if they potentially thought that this could be an issue earlier in the offseason, they thought he was playing on Friday, in my opinion. And his family, again, came from Hawaii to the desert, to Arizona, to Phoenix, Scottsdale, Mesa, Tempe, whatever. You know, they played all over to watch him play, and, and they did not get to see him play. So, uh, regardless, Tennessee needs to get him in the lineup. I don't think there's any big concern there right now, but, you know, I uh, need to get him in there sooner rather than later because that lineup will change. Uh, let's go to Rocky Pops. That's a nice name. Um, any word on Kavaris te- or Kavaris Tears? Thought he would uh, have some ABs over the weekend. Yeah, man, he had a great fall. He had a really good fall. Had a good preseason. It's just kind of unfortunate for him because this team is so heavy in terms of left-handed hitters. I wrote about it in the Baseball 3-2-1 yesterday over at ballquest.com. Um, he is not a primary backup outfielder. Um, he would likely, in my opinion, be the prime up backup sec- primary backup sec- or first baseman. But if you wanted to go to a, a right-handed hitting option at first base, if, say, Burke was out for some reason, you could go uh, another route there. So um, it, it's just kind of unfortunate for him. But he really had a great offseason. He did. 
I think Tennessee will have the luxury of having his bat to call on off the bench as long as the season goes on. And hopefully he'll get some innings and some pinch hit opportunities and some spot start opportunities maybe as a DH uh, in these midweek games. You know, tonight and tomorrow, Tennessee plays Alabama A&M. Next week, you got two midweek games. And really, you're in non-conference play from now on until March 17th. So uh, hopefully there'll be some opportunities there for him. But it's just kind of a it's kind of a loaded in his position and in terms of left-handed hitting let's go to bones why do ut fan this is a really good question right here why do ut fans demand that our five-star basketball recruits play and realize that you don't get experience riding the pine but at the same time are terrified to play the number one recruit in football and demand that he sits even ridicules his ability risk averse is an understatement Really good question. So you're talking about some of these freshmen and obviously some of these guys who are redshirting for Tennessee basketball this year um, who you think that can make a big old difference, right? Um, and then you look at then you look at Nico, who you're referencing. Um, one thing I'll say from basketball to football, football, and I'm not trying to – obviously I'm not trying to diminish the sport of basketball because there are grown men that play in that game as well. But you are stepping onto a field – to where you have the big, biggest, fastest, most athletic people in the world outside of the National Football League, and they're trying to hit you, okay? And, and you come to Tennessee, and you are 18 years old, and your body is still not matured. Sometimes if you go out there, you're going to get broke, or you'll go out there. Look at Jerry Garantano, man. Force, I know he he redshirted his first year and then got his toes wet as a redshirt freshman and then was Tennessee starter pretty much the rest of the way until he left. Um, he got battered and bruised early in his career, and in my opinion, he was never the same. Okay, um, and, and you just don't want that, especially at the quarterback position that is so big and so important on decision making. Uh, you know, for your team, your team's overall success. So, um, it, it's all about body development, really. You got to come in. A lot of times, you want one or two off seasons in the strength and conditioning program to really get your body to where it needs to be, and that's that's. No, that's not the exception. That's I mean, there's always or there's always exceptions in that rule. We see true freshmen play all the time, but a lot of times you just you need to come in and your body needs to be developed. It needs to be ready to roll. And Nico's isn't right now. Um, that's not to say that he won't put on some gains uh, this spring and this summer and leading up into into his uh, freshman season. And that's not to say if Joe Milton struggles that that Nico won't come in because I wholeheartedly believe that that will happen if if Joe struggles. But that is how I would answer that one. Football is a contact sport. And I understand it's not all let's hold hands and 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 you know prance through a, a field of butterflies and, and dandelions and basketball. I get all that, but I mean football is a little bit different. You are seeking out contact. I mean you are, and sometimes you just need your body to develop. Uh, last one here. Let's go to Tyler. Interesting to see shifts in the lineup already. Let's go Twitter Tuesday on this. Where do you feel these players are at the best and what lineup changes still need to be made? Uh, this was in response to um, when I put out the starting lineup for Sunday's game. Yeah, Tyler, I mean, really, it depends on Ahuna, right? I mean, he's in the leadoff spot. You can move Jared Dickey down to maybe five or six in the order. If, if Maui's hitting third, then you can move uh, Blake Burke the fourth, Griffin Merritt the fifth, Zane Denton the sixth. I mean, boy, that's a nice middle of the order right there before you get in the bottom third. Um, I, I just think the Maui is the biggest key component there. Griffin Merritt came back and he DH'd on Sunday, so that'll be Tennessee's, you know, one of their three, four, five hitters, probably fifth hitter in the lineup card routinely. Um, and so I just think Maui's a big, a, a big component there. I think Christian Moore's your two hole hitter. I think Blake Burke can hit three. I think he's best at three. But again, if Maui, who's probably your most aggressive hitter, and again, he is a major league prospect. Um, you know, if he if, if they say that he hits third, Burke can hit fourth, and Burke was tearing the cover off the off the off the uh, baseball in, in game three of that series with a triple and a home run. So, or game three of the the weekend over there. 
Um, it's just the bottom of the order. There's not a whole lot of pop. I mean, last year you think about Evan Russell was batting seventh, right? And, and you had some serious pop and some good hitting down there at the bottom of the order. Tennessee doesn't have that right now. So, um, I like Cal Starks batting that lineup, uh, but I think the biggest component to answer your question, and it changes daily because of the outfield about how they're trying to figure out the outfield right now. But I think Maui's the biggest component there. If he's hitting leadoff, it changes things. If he's hitting third, it changes things. Um, but it makes things better for Tennessee. All right, when we come back, look at Tennessee's loss to Kentucky and ahead to Tennessee and Texas A&M. That is coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. But first, I'll remind you guys about our good friends over at LinkedIn. Nope, nope, I had the wrong, uh, had the wrong uh, lower third there. Let's go. LinkedIn, a small business owner. Hiring manager, you know success in 2023. It all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company from their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates available. Identify the most qualified candidates out there on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one and delivering qualified hires versus its leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs lets you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free. That's at LinkedIn.com slash locked on. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, we got to be short and sweet here. I went a little long there in the Twitter Tuesday portion of the show. But as always, I thank you for sending those in every single tu- every single Tuesday. It's when you guys take over the show, mailbag edition of the show. All right, guys, cue of the day. Are you still in on this Tennessee basketball team or are you fed up? I want to know uh, because I still think Tennessee basketball, if they, go to the, if they go to the Sweet 16 or beyond, won't surprise me. If they get bounced in the first round, won't surprise me. It's just been that high of highs. And that low of lows. You take down Alabama, the number one team in the country, minus two starters. And then you go to Rupp and and you just lay a complete goose egg in the first half. Tennessee shot 25% from the field in the first half. They were one of 13 for three-pointers in the first half at Kentucky on Saturday. And that 66-54 to loss. I mean, give Tennessee credit. Tennessee was down, what, let's see, largest lead, I believe, at the time. I mean, Kentucky led by 20, uh, you know, heading into halftime almost. And Tennessee came back, cut it to eight. Uh, late in that second half, but you know couldn't get Kentucky off the line. Kentucky, uh, in terms of foul shots, they were 23 of 35, and so gave Tennessee plenty of opportunities there to climb back in it, uh, but just couldn't keep Kentucky off the line later in that game and trying to mount that comeback. But a horrible first half shooting, 25%. Tennessee shot the ball pretty well in the second half, 46%, made five three-pointers, uh, but overall in the day, it was just not enough. Um, Sakai Ziegler continues, continues to... Just commit stupid fouls. Just horrible fouls, right? Um, let's see here. 
Where's his personal fouls? Here we go. Yep. Uh, had his fourth personal foul at the 15-minute mark of the second half. I mean, what are you doing, Zakai? I mean, Tennessee's got to have you in there. Inconsistent play once again from Tyreek Key off the bench. 0 for 5 on the day, 0 for 4 from three-point range, finished with one point. Um, thought Santiago Vescovi shot the ball decent in this game, 7 to 13 overall. He had 17 points. Tennessee, they needed a boost from somewhere, and lo and behold, it was Uros in game one against Kentucky, and it was Jemiah Meshack in game two against Kentucky. Meshack playing 34 minutes, scoring 16 points, a career high, two assists. He had eight rebounds at Jemiah Meshack. He had a, a minus five on the plus minus. Obviously, every single one of Tennessee's players were in the minus in this game. Uh, B.J. Edwards was the lowest at minus one, but he only played a little less than two minutes. Uh, but, man, how about that for Jemiah Meshack? Good to see because if he could just become more well-rounded because he's a great defender, um, he did such a great job on Brandon Miller against Alabama. Um, that he would really be a force, and maybe that's a sign to come. I'm not saying he turned the corner, but he had a really nice day offensively against Kentucky with 16 points. But again, Olivier Cumwell, 3 of 9 shooting, 6 points. Jonas Adu, 2 of 4 shooting, 4 points, 7 rebounds. Um, Toby Awaka, when he was in there, he played about 16 minutes. Uh, he finished with no points, 0 of 4 shooting, 6 rebounds. Uh, Uros Plash just played, you know, had to play 20 minutes because Tennessee was down 2 starters, 2 points, and three rebounds. You're seven foot, and you can only get three rebounds. I just, I don't comprehend that. Um, you had one, two, three, four players scoring double figures for Kentucky. Ultra Shubway really was kind of held in check. He had 16 points, but only seven rebounds. I mean, that's that's kind of low for him, but um, you just can't dig yourself in a hole with shooting less than 26% from the field in the first half and expect to climb out of a 20-point deficit. He came all the way back to cut it to eight at one point in time. It just wasn't enough. And Tennessee fell uh, to Kentucky, swept by Kentucky uh, in the regular season. 20 and 7 now is the record, 9 and 5 in Southeastern Conference play. Kentucky now has the same record as the University of Tennessee with a 9 and 5 record in conference play. But hey, the season goes on. You got four games left, and Tennessee needs to finish strong. Texas AM at College Station. That's coming up tonight. Tennessee's got. Arkansas on the schedule. Tennessee's got South Carolina on the schedule. I think it's South Carolina, then Arkansas, and then you finish off with Auburn. Um, you've got AM. It's been a really good story in college basketball this season. The SEC's been down, but Texas AM has played really good, good conference play. 20 and 7 on the season, 12 and 2 in Southeastern Conference play. This is shaping up to be the best season for Texas AM under Buzz Williams. They won five straight coming off a 69 to 60 win at Missouri on Saturday. Uh, they started the season 6-5, and five, but they've won their last 14 of 16 games. So quite the turnaround for Texas A&M. Early non-conference losses. This is what really puts into perspective here. Early non-conference losses for Texas A&M to Murray State, to Colorado. Hey, Tennessee's been there. And to Wofford. And to Wofford. I mean, this team has, again, turned it around. Uh, two leading scorers Tennessee's got to watch out for uh, coming in in fourth and eighth and scoring in Southeastern Conference play. Wade Taylor, 15 points a game. Uh, Tyrese Redford, 14.5 points per game. Again, that's fourth and eighth and scoring in conference play this season. Tennessee's going to have to slow them down. Uh, Tennessee, in terms of the net, still the number three team in the country. Uh, A&M is the number 28 in the net rankings. Quad one wins. Well, Tennessee's six and three. They've done okay in quad one, uh, whereas Texas A&M has gone five and four. Quad two wins for Tennessee or record for Tennessee. It's three and four. 
and Texas A&M is 2-1 and one in Quad 2. Tennessee has a losing record in Quad 2 games. That Kentucky game was a Quad 2 game. Uh, this A&M game uh, will be, I believe, a... Uh, it's it's top thirty on the road, so this should this should qualify if my memory is correct. Since this is on the road and A and M is twenty eighth in the net, this should be this should qualify as a as a quad one game for Tennessee. So another opportunity there. Uh, Texas A and M's good ball club. Uh, Tennessee's going to try to find a way on the road. We'll see about the status of J- Josiah Jordan James of Julian Phillips. Rick Barnes said that they were continuing to be day to day. Tennessee's been without them each of the past two games, and um, for. Without Josiah, the entire game, uh, the the Saturday before against Missouri, and without Julian Phillips for the second half, so they've been without him for quite a while now. But but still, you, you'd like to have them back. You know, losing two starters, that's not nothing, right? Uh, you need all hands on deck to try to turn this thing around. And Texas A and M, it's going to be a tough game coming up tonight. That game will be at seven o'clock. All right, guys. Appreciate you, as always, for tuning in, listening, watching on YouTube, subscribing to the channel, hitting this like button, sharing it out there, helping to get this video out in in front of other Vol fans. I can't thank you enough for that. Appreciate you guys, as always. If you guys need anything, if you want to talk to me, uh, just send me a message, at underscore Kaner, at Lockdown Vols. You can always comment on YouTube. I see them. I know I don't always respond as as well as I should. I do see them, guys, and it is very, very appreciative. Uh, appreciate it guys thank you so much really do appreciate you um we'll come back tomorrow we'll recap little tennessee basketball um potentially we'll talk um you know some tennessee baseball we'll get in with josh ward we'll do all that that is coming up on a wednesday show Uh, until then guys same time same place we'll do it again on wednesday this is locked on vaults hey prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.